Good morning. Welcome to the vineyard. Glad to have you here today. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Glad that you're with us as well from wherever you might be. Here on a beautiful day. Summer is starting. The humidity is cranking back up. Down here. That's the only way we know that there's a difference. Is it either, either humidity or not so bad. So humidity happening now. So uh, good, yes. We're in a series called Are You Ready? And let me just remind you about this series, that this is a series about hope. And it really comes out of a passage of Scripture where, where Peter says we need to be ready or be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that we have. We need to give a reason for the hope that we have. So I think we need to know what our hope is, and then we need to be able to talk about that hope. So our hope is, um, and we keep wanting to go back to that Revelation 21 stuff, that there is a point in time when Scripture tells us very clearly that that Jerusalem, new heaven, comes down, comes out of heaven down to earth. And earth is renewed and restored. And so um, the picture is that the way it was at creation, when everything was perfect there in the cosmic temple in Eden, and we were hanging out with God, that we're heading back towards that at some point in the future. And that uh, for a lot of folks, that we just got the end point a little wrong, in that we, we've sort of thought that the end point was we're going to float off on a cloud and hang out with a harp. And that's not a bad situation, but there's more to the story. Our hope is better. And when you, when you read the end of the story and what's going to happen, it begins to change things because the, the hope is that there's a point coming when, when that actually happens. Heaven comes down to earth and everything is recreated and renewed and we get new physical bodies. That's the idea of resurrection. It wasn't that you got something that floated around. You get, and we're going to then partner with God here once again on this planet and without any more of the mess and the enemy and the evil and the shame and the guilt and all the garbage that went along with what happened with him, he's dealt with. And so that's our hope. Now, that's our pretty cool hope story thing. And see, there's way more to talk about there when you get that. Well, once you get that, then the scripture begins to open up because you see that that's been the plan since Genesis 3.15. And there's this redemptive, restorative plan in place. And what's really cool is uh, it becomes very evident after... The cross took place and the resurrection happened. So looking back, all of a sudden, the whole thing opens up. And that's what we can do, because fortunately, we're on this side of the cross and resurrection. But, you know, and we're waiting for when the, the rest of it happens. But we can look back into the story. And then the whole sort of Bible comes alive. And that's what we're trying to do in the rest of this uh, series is to talk about these events and how they're all pointing towards our hope. And then when we get a hang of that, hold of that, then everything begins to open up and we can be ready. Because anywhere in the scripture, we can begin to see that God's at work and what he's doing and what it looks like. And so that's that's really exciting stuff. And we've we've uh, spent some time already in the New Testament. We began the series with Paul and then we jumped back into the Old Testament. and We've looked at, remember, the big overriding themes are exile. That means we go our own way and we end up under a different authority than God. Then there's an exodus where God rescues us because of who he is, not because of who we are. And then there's the idea of tabernacle. There's a place where heaven and earth meet. And we see that over and over again. And that idea of heaven and earth, remember... We're constantly reminding you that they overlap, that, that they're not millions of miles apart. 
that they already overlap. Even in us, we're a place where heaven and earth meet because Holy Spirit rests in us. So these are the ideas that we're building on. And last week we were in John 1. And we looked at one passage in particular. We looked at the, the big passage, but one scripture we really sort of looked at was um, where it says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we looked at how that's Jesus and he tabernacled. He pitched his tent among us. And that's a, so there was a place where heaven and earth met. And that was really important for us to get. And when the New Testament writers got a hold of that, they began pointing everything uh, in the Israel, in the scriptures of Israel, to Jesus, and so that's what they're looking at on this journey. So we're going to pick it up today in just a moment, talking uh, in Mark chapter one, because we're going to see how Mark gets it and starts pointing things to Jesus, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the kingdom of God. Okay, that's the intro. Bad jokes, just two today. So. I was driving home the other day, and I had to stop at a red light, and suddenly a group of robbers jumped in and stole everything. They were pirates of the car I'd be in. I saw a guy. I saw a guy with a newt on his shoulder. And I said, well, that's an interesting pet. What's his name? And he said, Tiny. And I said, well, why do you call him Tiny? And he said, because he's my newt. Oh, somebody, I felt it was right there on the edge. I could feel it coming. Alice, come, please. At least you got a laugh this service, babe. Yeah, I did. He did. It this was is my fun. exodus moment where Alice comes and rescues me. It's a lot of pressure. Not that I deserved it. Yeah. It's a great it, yeah. Oh my goodness. Welcome everybody. It's good to see you. What a what a wonderful day so far. Let's just press into Papa and then we'll read the word together. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. It's your kingdom come, Lord. Come again. Come and dwell amongst your people, Father. We thank you that we are people of the overlap. That we are the place where heaven and earth meet. And Father, I pray today that as we dwell in that space, you would come and reveal more of your heart to us. Father, I pray we could just curl up on your lap, put our head against your chest, and hear your heartbeat. Give us eyes to see, Father, and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the Gospel of Mark. And this is chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, 
but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Blessed be the word. You can be seated. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Powerful stuff going on. And Mark has really set things in motion here in in this passage, uh, drawing people into the story. And And when you know the bigger story, you see that there's a lot going on. First, let me say this. One of the things that we learn here is that um, if you have to eat locusts, you always need to ask for the wild honey. Because that helps them slide down. Otherwise, no one eats locusts without honey, right? <sighs> also, when you, when you see the story, so, so what's he saying? Well, he says this cool thing. Remember, and we've been talking about this back in creation and uh, in the very beginning of Genesis, and we've looked at this like almost every week. I said there's, uh, there's an event happening that lets us see Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You've got um, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit hovering over the waters in creation, right? And then you have God the Father, and what he does, he speaks and things begin to happen. He speaks ten times and everything changes. And we, we saw last week, looking at that John uh, 1.14, that, that Jesus was the Word. He was, he was the deal, right? He was coming. That was a big lens for us to look back at all of the Scripture. And, and so we see there in creation, you've got the Holy Spirit, and you've got the Father speaking, and the Word is there. Well, Mark ties that in in the beginning of his Gospel. I like how he starts, too, in the beginning. But he says, look, remember, here's what we got. We got Jesus on the scene, and when Jesus is being baptized, he comes out of the water. And who's hovering over him when he comes out? Holy Spirit. And then what happens? The Father speaks. This is my son who I'm well pleased. And here's he's just recreating a picture of creation, and we've got everything at work. And all this is happening in the very first chapter of Mark. And so he's making sure we get the story. But he's going to draw in all sorts of Old Testament ideas so that people can begin to connect with what's really happening. And that this was always a, a part of how things were going to go and that we needed to see what was taking place. And he says there at the end, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now we've been talking about this idea, the kingdom of God, for the last couple of weeks. And we're going we're gonna to go deeper into it in the weeks ahead. But when I get a chance, and every time we get to it, I want to make sure we understand what the kingdom of God is, because we have a tendency when we hear it to think of something different. And, and I think our tendency when we hear or read in the scripture, kingdom of God, we think about it, we're thinking it's a place, that the kingdom of God is a place. Matthew actually confuses it a little because instead of saying kingdom of God, he'll say kingdom of heaven. And many of us have picked that up. And in the sort of way that we look at things culturally, we think about heaven as being something that's millions of miles from here. And so we think they're talking about 
a place there, uh, like heaven. It's a place, right? But that's not what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. It's on earth. It's his authority to rule. And you have to look at the scripture. And when you see kingdom of God, you have to understand that's what's coming and that's what it means. So, so when we read uh, in one of my favorite verses, right, seek first his kingdom and his right to, what are we seeking? A geographical place? No. We're seeking his rule and reign to happen now on earth as it does in heaven. When we, we pray, uh, the, even the Lord's Prayer, Lord, let your kingdom come. What are we praying for? We're praying for his rule and reign to happen now. So we need to understand that that's what's taking place and that what he's saying here in the beginning of Mark, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is here. The rule and reign of God is breaking in and is happening in Jesus. And so we need to be aware that this is what's taking place because it changes the way that we look at everything. See, the kingdom is here. It's just not fully here yet. It's here now. Jesus inaugurates it. He'll consummate it when he returns. But we're living in this tension. And because the kingdom is here in some measure, it makes a difference in how we live. Now, another fascinating thing is that he says the time has come. And I like that because he's, uh, he's giving us the idea that, that God does indeed have a timetable. There's a timetable for these things. They're happening on his timetable. Uh, you often have your own timetable. Have you figured out that your timetable and God's timetable are, like, way different? He's like, <laughs> he doesn't even... Yeah. Anyway, he's got his timetable. I'm just... I've made a lot of suggestions to God that he's completely ignored. And... Uh, <laughs> And so he has a time. There's a time table in, 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 uh, in mind when he does it. Now, let me introduce to you this idea, if you haven't heard it before. And this comes from Daniel chapter 9. And it has to do with exile. Remember, exile is one of the things we look at. And exile is what happens when we start to serve someone other than the real God. And we generally end up in exile. And that's what happened to the people of Israel. And we looked at this. And there's a time when they're in captivity to the Babylonians. And prophetically, it lasts 70 years. We've already examined this. And at the end of 70 years, they go back to Jerusalem and they rebuild the temple. But what doesn't take place? There's no presence of God, right? It doesn't, the presence of God doesn't show up. And that, that season goes on for a long time. Well, Daniel gives us some insight into this whole idea. Because what Daniel tells us is something a little different. He says that there are 70 sevens decreed for your people. And your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So Daniel sort of speaks into a different... Listen, it wasn't 70 years, that was kind of it, but... But to really deal with this exile that you've gone on, which is not just that you were relocated now back, is that the presence of God left. And we saw that. that left For him to come back, it's going to be this 77s, which is kind of the idea of 490 years. And so, as Jesus arrives on the scene, guess how many years have gone by? About 490 years. And so the, the, the people of God, they're actually looking for this idea of kingdom that they've understood. They're, they're waiting for this to take place. They're looking for God to come as king. And what they're expecting him to do is to overthrow the Romans and reestablish them the way they were when David had everything in, in, and he was the king. That's what they're really looking for. And so... All eyes are on that. And when you, when you begin to read the Gospels, you'll see that even Jesus' disciples were convinced that was to take place. So that's what they're looking for. And I, I love this thing. Um, 
that, that you need to see because that 77, that 490 years, brings up another sort of idea. And the idea that it's bringing and pointing us to is the idea of jubilee. So in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, every 49 years, the 50th year, but every 49 years, what was supposed to happen is there would be a time of jubilee. And, and, and they didn't do this, the Israelites. They, they liked the idea of it, but they didn't actually do it because it would cost them something. And what would happen is that every 49 years, here's what happened. All debts would be canceled. All the debts were canceled. All the slaves would be set free. Uh, all property would be returned. And everything would be set right so that people could start over. That's what was supposed to happen. Pretty good. When you think about it, God's cool, right? I mean, he's always cool. But every, 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 there's a restart every 49 or 50 years. Well, in that particular passage that I read you in Daniel, Daniel's really talking about the jubilee of jubilees. And it's, it's going to be the end of this exile. The presence of God is going to come. And we see that in Jesus. And think about what else happens when Jesus comes and goes to the cross and defeats death. What's happened? Debts are forgiven. All our sins. This is a jubilee of jubilees, right? So this, that's pretty cool. When you, forgiveness was part of the deal. Slaves being set free. Where, where we're in slavery to bondage and sin, right? Into the enemy's camp. Set free. See, all these things are starting to take place. And um, this, this whole thing begins to happen with Jesus. And this is huge picture of the jubilee of jubilees. Property is returned. Our rights as, as sons and daughters are returned. They were stolen from the enemy. Jesus brings them back to us. And so when Jesus comes, he's doing those things. See, he's making things better. That's what's supposed to happen when, when this takes place. But all the people at the time can see is all they want is to be set free from the oppression that they're under from the Romans. They want a military overthrow. And so what, they're, what they end up with is that the kingdom just doesn't look like what they expected. So they have trouble seeing it. And even though they're looking for a, a Messiah, they're looking for this God King to come and set them free, they miss it. And so Mark is pointing things at them to make sure, no, no, it's actually happening. Things are changing. And so we get in Mark 1, 2, I'll send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. Uh, verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And that verse, verse 3, is right out of Isaiah 40. Remember, I got you into Isaiah 40 last week, and I said, look, guys, got to read Isaiah 40 to 55. It's all about new creation. And this verse, this chapter 40, they would have all known it, is... Is about God coming as king and setting his people free. And it's sort of, it's the exodus of new creation. It's what's going to happen and what's going to take place. And, and so they're looking for it. And the verse 2 passage was from Malachi 3. And we looked at that last week about a messenger that was going to come ahead of the Messiah and prepare, you know, to do those things that needed to do. And we know that's John the Baptist. We know it now because we can look back and see it. But we also know it because Jesus actually tells us that. And John the Baptist... He's been, he's been aware of this situation, right? When you read the story, they're cousins and they got things happening and there have been some things that have come, you know, things that have taken place. But all of a sudden, John the Baptist is like, are you the one to come? Now, part of me thinks is that John the Baptist has been doing his thing and he's seen Jesus. We just looked and the the Holy Spirit came and everything, powerful moment, God spoke. He saw that. And yet John the Baptist shortly thereafter finds himself in prison. Now, that will make you question some things. And he says, uh, let me look for, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples. So, 
Ask him, are you the one who's to come or should we expect someone else? He said, look, we've been waiting for this overthrow. You Obviously, we can, we've seen all the things you can do, but there, the overthrow isn't happening. I'm in prison, but something better happen here pretty quick, Jesus. Because <laughs> it's not looking good for me. Because I've said some things that have upset a whole bunch of people. <laughs> and, that, you know, they're talking about the big head. And he's like, hey. <laughs> What's Jesus say? He says, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Why is Jesus saying that? He said, the overthrow isn't happening, but what is happening is that God is setting things right. The, 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 you know, the lame are healed, people are being healed and set free, and all those things are happening. And he says, oh, Jesus says, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. If, if you don't see what's going on, if you get stuck on the overthrow, you're going to miss the move of God. And as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about him. He said, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? A dude busy eating locusts? No, if not, what did you go out to see? I, I added that. That's in the Steve paraphrase. Do not build a theology on that. A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. And what did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it's written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. What's Jesus saying? He's absolutely the one that was talked about, the one who's going to talk about me. I am the Messiah that you've been looking for. I am the one who's come as king and God to, to inaugurate the kingdom It's just not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. And at that time, he goes on and he says, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by Jordan of the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You're my son whom I'm with you. I'm well pleased. We're tying in more scripture. And I want you to see how these, all these writers are tying in Old Testament scripture and pointing it at Jesus. Where are those verses coming from? Well, it's coming from the second Psalm, another big important psalm that you should read over and over again. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I become your father. So when that voice speaks out, not only is it a picture of creation, it's drawing in this psalm and, and all of the psalms that have um, importance. And then Isaiah 42, that another big chunk. This is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one who I like. I will put my spirit on him. And he will bring justice to the nation. So Mark is just focusing everybody. Look, here's the story. Here's what's happening. God has a timetable. He came just when he was supposed to come. Do you know it was the perfect time for Jesus to come? Because God knew that when he came, fully God, fully man, and arrived on the scene. It was the point, the perfect point in history when Jesus could take on all of the sin of all time and all the consequences of sin, that Jesus perfectly takes it on and he goes to the cross and it all comes on him at that moment. And what does he do? He, he, he takes it. He dies, pays for it, takes it down with him. And you, I just, you, know, you need to get a picture. He leaves that mess down there and he defeats the power of sin 
And then he rises again and he defeats the power of death. See, that was the bigger work that needed to happen. That's what had to happen. That's what this whole story was about. The enemy, the deeper enemy, the bigger enemy, beyond Rome, they're just a representation. Everything needed to be dealt with. And what does Jesus do? He goes after what we started talking about at the beginning. Sin and death. Remember, greed and fear, those motivations. He attacks them. What's he bring? Life, love. That's the new motivation. He does it there at the cross. Defeats sin and death and he sets us free from those things and then he rises again the beginning of new creation he's the first one in that newly resurrected body and everything is different already and and yes yes it's not certainly perfect yet because the enemy is defeated but not departed but things have changed and we live as changed people we live already as part of what's going to take place because it's broken through in part now because of what Jesus has done he's pushed us from from that mess somehow into our eternal lives we've gone to the cross with him and we've resurrected with him and everything is new for us and we get a hold of that that's our hope and we we quit living in that sort of See, if we're not careful, we we get the story and we just go, okay, well, I'm going to heaven someday. That's the whole deal. That's all it's about. And okay, I'm just kind of coasting until heaven. Look, we're not on coast. This is an adventure. We're still engaged in a battle. We're still here to impact people. We're already partnering with God to make a difference on the planet, which he is going to renew someday. And we get new, resurrected. I always say that and then I get excited because something is always hurting when I say that. And and a, there won't and a time has come and we won't have to deal with the mess. Can you the hope that we have? Can you imagine not having to deal with shame and guilt and sorrow and pain and and a loss and all? We just it won't happen anymore. And we have that hope coming, and so we get engaged now because we want everyone to experience that hope. See, we we get involved in the process, and and that's what's going and that's the invitation for all of us. And the idea is. He says, repent and believe. And, and it's fascinating. He tells his group, repent and believe. Because we've always thought, well, repent and believe. That means I need to quit going the enemy's way and start going God's way. And it's sort of a salvation thing. Well, it was bigger than that. He's really saying to them, it's included in there. He's saying, listen, for, for you guys to really figure out what's happening, you've got to let go of the very small way you've looked at the return of the king. That it's just about an overthrow and realize that it was something far greater. And that you're a part of something even greater. That you're a part of this new dynamic. The kingdom that is here. God has come. He said the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this good news. Take it in. Take in the gospel story. Take in what's really taken place. Get a hold of it because it changes everything. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom is here. See, he's, he's, he's doing something that needed to happen because of a promise he made back in Genesis when he said that through Abraham, all nations would have this opportunity to come to know him. And uh, the people of God, which includes all of us, here's the big problem we have. We're just not very faithful. We try, but we're just not very good at it. We keep going our own way. You can see it throughout history. And there's this promise that somehow the people of Israel are going to be the ones that make it possible. But what happens is when Jesus comes, not only is the the perfect model person, he's also a picture of perfect Israel who would come. The, the, the king who would come who could actually do it. And I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. He, Mark is important.
important that he ties in these promises with everybody. This is the one who is coming, and this is what he's coming to do. He's coming to fulfill promises to be this king that we were looking for. And so we have to be aware that this is happening and who he is and what he's done. It was a bigger picture. Now, we engage this thing, but there's this one other little piece that I, I just I love this story. Because it's, a, it's about John and James. We talked about it a few weeks ago, and I already pawed in some of the bigger pictures. But John and James are hanging out, and, and they go to Jesus, and um, they, they want to be top dogs advisory council. And, and they think still, when they do this, that Jesus is going to be the king who's going to overthrow the Romans. And so they're, you know, I get it. They're looking for those top jobs. This was the argument that all the disciples had. So James and John sneak up this time, and... Uh, because they bring mom at another time trying to do this too, but <laughs> which I which I like. Hey, he didn't listen to us, so mom, you're gonna have to come now because it's the whole. Never mind, teacher. We want you to do for us whatever we ask, which you gotta love, right? I don't. That's just to me. That I always say that's cheeky. Can you go to the creator of the universe? Yeah, hey, you gotta do for me whatever whatever I ask. And, and I love that what Jesus doesn't go, huh? He says, okay, what do you want me to do for you? He doesn't say he will, but go ahead. I'm sure he was interested to hear the question. Of course, he probably knew. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now, as far as they know, his glory was when he was going to be crowned king of Israel and overthrow Rome. When that happens, we want to be at your right and your left. So they don't have any idea of anything deeper at this moment. He goes, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drank or be baptized with the baptized on baptized? Oh, we can, they said. And he said, well, you will, but um, you don't really get it now. But to sit at my right and left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those whom they've been prepared. Do you remember what I told you about that before? When does Jesus become king of Israel? When the soldiers stick that crown of thorns on his head, they nail him to a tree and write the sign, this is the king of Israel. Who's at his right and his left? It's not John and James. And I bet at that moment when they make the connection, they went, thank you. (laughs) But those guys had a purpose, right? But, But you get that. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Why? Well, they all wanted those spots. Who are you sneaking in on us? That's the whole argument. And Jesus says, look, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all for even the son of man. And there he's tying in a thing from Daniel. Did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And there he's tying in a passage from Isaiah 53 that... But here's what I I really love about all of this whole thing. He's saying, look, you're thinking that what's going to happen is I'm going to overthrow the Romans and you're looking for spots to try and lord it over them just like they've always done over you, which is what you hate. And he said, that's not what the kingdom looks like. The kingdom is about serving. And see, there's a lot of people that want to serve God, but they're almost all looking for advisory roles. And there ain't any. They're just servant roles. That's it. Holy Spirit's in us. He's the advisor, as far as I can tell. And the encourager and the counselor and the comforter and all the things that we need. And we're the hands and feet in the kingdom. 
The kingdom is here, but not fully here. But it's here enough to make a huge difference in everybody's life. It starts as a mustard seed, and then woof. And so we need to get a hold of it. So I want you to start to get a hold of it. That's my hope. And we're going to keep bringing in these stories. Next week, we're going to get into Luke a little bit because I need to bring in some more of that story. And you'll see how it all really weaves together so that it opens up for you as we go. I'm going to end it there. Alice, why don't you come up, honey? Let's pray for you. And then we'll dismiss. You know, and I, I did this last service. I had this thought is to go that I want to pray for you, but I want to just say something before I do so it sticks. My prayer, I'm going to pray for you right now that, that this week, this week, that two things are going to happen. A, that you're going to really, really, really want to get the Bible open. That, it's, you know, the enemy steals that, right? We, get, we have the thought, but we don't get to it. That you're really going to follow through on that. And that when you do, the Bible's just going to it's just going to pop open. It's just going to illuminate to you. You're going to start to see little things. You're going to make little connections. I have people tell me the time, well, I read the Bible and I don't see those things. It's just Holy Spirit, and He absolutely wants to help you see those things. And so I want to pray for you that that happens. And so I do, Lord. I ask right now that you would come and that in our hearts you would place that God-given desire to open your word and to read. And that when we do, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to illuminate words, sentences, verses, passages. That you would make them stand out to us, that we would see them in ways that we never have. And that that we would see how you're in it and how involved you are. And that we would have those aha moments that were happening there in the early church. That they would happen in us. And so I pray that would take place now in the lives of everyone here. And, and listen, if you will sort of add faith to that for yourselves, at some point, either, either now or this week, would you just say, yes, God, to that. Yes, God, I want that. Yes, God, I want that when I open your word. Yes, God. Let me see things that I've never seen. Yes, God. Alice. I'm going to just add my yes and amen to that because as I was praying yesterday for church today, the Lord told me just this half a thing. And he said, I want to break out. I want to break out. And I was like, oh, okay, Lord, that, you know, I'm going to sound like an idiot, you know. And then Steve, when we don't talk about what we're going to pray, right, we don't, or what he's going to do or how ministry time is going to flow because we try to keep it authentic. And so when he started to pray for the Bible, I went, well, that's it. Because I saw someone opening their Bible and the Lord breaking out of the words and right into your heart and into your spirit and encouraging you. So take that in today. If that's, if the, you know, and maybe you've got the wrong version. So think about that too. If you, if you have a Bible that's hard for you to read, you might need to get a different one. I'm just, that's just a two cents. Amen. That's good. And remember who it is that doesn't want you to read your Bibles, guys. If for, listen, sometimes just for, for if, if, if there's no other reason, I think, you know what? I know the one being that doesn't want me to read this book, and I'm not letting him have any more of my time. I'm in. And pop it open and watch what Holy Spirit does. That's what he wants to do. This amazing story starts by knowing Jesus. Look, I got the dog up and wagging his tail on that one. That is a, it's a stretch. Downward dog, upward dog, and animals respond to the spirit of God. Yes, they do. 
That's yes. what it ought to be like when you're reading your scripture, right? Amen. There. <laughs> Sorry, I'm off track. Yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> what, where was I? Oh, it all starts with Jesus. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Look, if you've never done that, do it now. That's what it's because of what he did at the cross. That's our part. We believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. You don't need to be any more difficult than that. It's just that. And if you will do that, look, I just want to know. So if you're doing that today for the first time here or online, let me know. Text the word heart to 305-745-7513 so I can celebrate with you. Thank you, church, for your amazing generosity. What a great group you are and uh, how blessed we are to be a part. Uh, with uh, you here and let's sing doxology and we'll dismiss praise god from whom all blessings flow Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, we thank for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to death. Please go out this way. We'll get those doors open for you here in just a moment so you can go out easily. Have a great day. Be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to You already said that. Wrap it up, preacher. Come on. (laughs) Bye online. We love you guys. Take care. And we will see you very, very soon. Hope. It's all about hope. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye.